Hundreds of thousands of people have been murdered in South Africa since the African National Congress came to power in 1994. We speak to passionate crime fighter Ian Cameron of Action Society. Welcome, Ian. Thank you, Chris. I look forward to speaking with you. Ian, going by available statistics, over 630,000 murders were reported during this time. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I think we could safely say that it's more than half a million people that have been murdered in South Africa. Um, South Africa has slowly but surely uh, really seen an increase in the last, especially the last decade. Uh, there's been this gradual increase. In fact, if you go look from about 2012 uh, up until now, there's been almost an 80% increase. I think it's around 77% increase in total in murder. Um, so we're not too far off from reaching that million mark. At the rate that it's currently increasing, we can expect anything between 27 and 30,000 murders per annum. How would you describe that level of deadly violence in our country? Well, I, I think if we consider 650,000 plus murders, there's no other way than to describe South Africa as, a, as having become a, a total bloodbath. Um, when we see crime statistics being spoken of in a very uh, nonchalant, uh, very relaxed way by ministers and police commissioners, it almost seems as though they are spectators to a violent crime sport. It's almost as though uh, South Africans are merely uh, collateral damage in some kind of a contact game that the so-called leaders are watching. If we look at something like murder, um, the Institute for Security Studies indicated that only 14.5% of murders are actually solved. So this means that uh, nearly 90% uh, of murders in this country go unsolved. It actually means that we could go as far as saying that if you want to kill someone, do it in South Africa. I've even heard cops jokingly say in cases that we work on, that if you want to commit the perfect murder, you should aim to do it in the Eastern Cape or in KZN. And I've heard the same jokes about other provinces, but it really isn't uh, something to be laughing about. This is becoming a reality in South Africa. And if you look at some of the uh, interesting um, uh, uh, research that has been done, it's actually been indicated that you have a 4 to 5% chance of murder being your cause of death if you were to live in South Africa. Now, that is astounding. I mean, in most other countries, that is certainly not the case. And, you know, often we try and compare South Africa to war zones, as we've done with the war in Ukraine uh, now, currently, with the uh, Israel-Gaza uh, conflict or Israel-Palestine conflict. Um, and I find it quite laughable to see the ANC uh, reaching uh, about this whole uh, international criminal court matter while they themselves are onlookers to South African being slaughtered uh, in droves and, uh, and where women and children are raped at unprecedented rates. Uh, you know, we can confirm that we've got over 135 rapes per day reported in South Africa. And remember, something like rape is severely underreported, not even mentioning murder. If, if things like murder are increasingly not being reported in South Africa, it means that other crimes that are considered less serious are being forgotten completely. So it's becoming a free-for-all and we are on our own. Now, South Africa 
already has the second highest murder rate in the world with 75 people killed every day. What do we even have in common of Jamaica apart from Dacha? Uh, <laughs> why um, why we are we up there? We can compare quite a few things with them in, in terms of, of narcotics. But um, I think I think in terms of firearm availability, uh, organized crime, etc., South Africa is really climbing in, in terms of ranks. South Africa has reached new heights when it comes to the level of organized crime. And, and you and I have spoken before about the level of organized crime that we've reached. And, and we are being compared and, and beating, in some cases, countries like Nigeria and Mexico. Um, it's important to, to mention, and I'm playing devil's advocate now, that you can't always compare South Africa exactly to another country because all these countries have different variables that need to be considered. You know, some, uh, for example, have a, a war zone directly to there. Others have uh, organized crime bosses staying there, but that are operating in other countries. So there's so many different things that need to be taken into consideration. I think what makes South Africa uh, unique at the moment is the fact that there's almost zero uh, real consequences for for people that commit serious and violent offences. If we look at the amount of criminals that are inside the South African Police Service, it really is astounding. And I mean, South African Police Service up until now, and again, I stand to be corrected, I believe is likely the biggest single firearm uh, provider or supplier to criminal networks in South Africa. Now, people might say, Ian, how could you say that they're good cops? I know that. I work with many of the good cops. The point is just as an institution, the amount of firearms that SAPS loses or has stolen from them or that they willingly provide, whether it's an individual cop or a network of them, really is astounding. I mean, the, just in the last few days, Minister Becky clearly announced that another just over 1,000 or 1,700 firearms had been lost or stolen uh, from SAPS in, in, in less than two years. Now, if we go and look at the last 20-year period, it's far over 20,000 firearms. And then I'm not even mentioning the different other institutions or security a agencies that have lost firearms too. So, you know, when it comes to murder, it comes as no surprise that it's being made easy for people to commit the crimes that they do and that life is becoming increasingly cheap. Another part that we need to consider is the increasing violence in terms of political uh, murders and political intimidation. It really is on the increase. If we take a, a small example, something like City of Cape Town, which is generally, uh, in terms, uh, you know, as a municipality, far better run municipal entity uh, than the majority of others. Uh, you know, the the challenges they face in terms of extortion. Uh, intimidation and and the way that it happens. Just in the past week, another city of Cape Town official was assassinated, and and it, it it very often happens, and usually it's because of organized crime. So we need to take all these things into consideration. But currently, South Africa really has become a slaughterhouse of humans. Where did it go wrong in the police, Ian? Um, they, they, again, there's so many different factors that we need to consider, but I think one of the crucial parts for me um, is probably two or three things. One is definitely political interference, uh, political appointments, and it's simple. Remember, the ANC doesn't want the police to function uh, properly because then they themselves would be caught out for their corrupt dealings. Um, they don't want institutions like, you know, that we had like the Scorpions to function properly because they can't centralize power there. 
the first thing that people like Minister Becky Taylor has done in the South African Police Service has really been to centralize power in a way where he even has operational capabilities. Not legally, but he just does that. He just makes sure that he plays this political chess game with the South African Police Service and its partners in a way that he can really control the operational capabilities of SAPs. And he runs this from a central point. It's a very socialist thing to do. You know, it's a, I always laugh on, on, on X or Twitter, as, as it was called. I always joke and say the commies don't like it. But the point is just that they want to centralize power. And uh, the more they centralize it, the further away we go from cross and counter accountability. Because if we had a scorpion body and we, for example, the Borgs came into play later on, and we had strong internal SAP specialized units, they could cross-pollinate and keep each other accountable as well. But now you've got a central body. You've got the Minister of Police trying to take control of IPID, the Independent Police Investigative Directorate, too. And eventually, you've got one commander for an entire security cluster or your internal security cluster, which is which is concerning. Um, what went wrong? Let's talk about the last 20 years. I'll give a quick overview. Um, but since Jackie Celebi, uh, and I always joke, someone said to me the other day, she didn't speak ill of the dead, but I always say Jackie Celebi should not rest in peace. Jackie um, uh, disbanded most of the specialized units that SAPS had. Uh, he was the first non-police member that was appointed as a national commissioner, so mistake number one. And there was no doubt that him and Tabu Veki, along with the rest of the ANC, were in cahoots to see how they can control the security cluster. I find it quite funny because Tabu Mbeki is now one of the more outspoken people against the ANC's wrongdoing. So I don't know what the change of heart uh, um, entails, but the point is just at that stage, they really caused a lot of destruction. We had Lucky Umkanazi uh, uh, for a very short while, and then Becky Thele came into play uh, as the National Commission of Police, and he pushed through uh, thousands of new recruits without them having passed the necessary examination. They even failed their remedials, but their contracts with SAPS were continued and was left that way. Um, he was then removed. You remember the corruption allegations, etc. Um, caused major damage. I mean, I, I remember one of the audit reports of Thales time as National Commissioner. 47% of cops in the Eastern Cape at that stage weren't competent to carry a firearm, yet they were carrying firearms. And I'm not saying cops go and shoot. I'm saying that they didn't have uh, ample opportunity to be able to go and shoot. After Thele, we had Ria Piecha come in. And uh, my goodness, what a character. I mean, Ria Piecha awarded herself a 10-year service uh, medal. She awarded herself a amalgamation medal. She awarded herself a FIFA World Cup medal. Um, need I say more? And, and she didn't deserve any of them. And in most of the cases, she wasn't even involved during those specific periods, and Algamasha and, uh, and, and FIFA included. So uh, worrying there, she was removed after the Marikana massacre. Again, major blood on their hands. And again, it was an ANC appointment, no doubt. Not a police officer, no idea what she was doing. And she really um, destroyed morale on ground level. We take it further. We, uh, you know, that that was the more or less the time when we had Nati and Tleku as the uh, as the as the police minister, uh, a, a real Zuma man, and and uh, and also we can remember uh, many of the bad things that uh, that he was up to. And then we had Komotso Pahlani, and what a breath of fresh air! Uh, but unfortunately, he was then implicated in corruption too. But at least, and it's kind of choosing the lesser of, of several evils. 
we could see some kind of an improvement at that stage. Syringect was functioning properly. There really was the whole back-to-basics approach. You could see it. And the current National Commissioner, Fanny Masimola, was then the Deputy National Commissioner under Pahlani. And that's when I met Masimola. And I must be honest, as a person, he was nice. He was a nice guy. But nice guys don't always get the job done. And in, and in this specific case, you know, we had uh, General Kefla Setole come in. Uh, he was appointed as the as the next permanent commissioner. Um, we had General Motiba just before him as a as a as a temporary or acting national commissioner, but he then retired. But you know, Sitoli and Clele definitely didn't sit around the same table. Um, they caused for all our forensic systems to be databases to be switched off. We lost access to eight million pieces of evidence. Um, the DNA backlog started just before or kind of in COVID time. We didn't have a firearm permit system anymore, so there was no way of keeping track, real track of SAPS firearms and ammunition or those that they uh, took uh, uh, took into, well, took uh, seized when they took suspects into custody. Uh, and the list goes on. Uh, Setole was sacked, and then we had Masemola. And Masemola, in my opinion, and and again, I, the few times I had contact with him, uh, it was pleasant. But unfortunately, uh, it's come across as though he's become a lapdog for Becky Taylor. And it's almost as though uh, the National Commissioner position is actually a seat-warming position because the minister makes the calls. And I've given a very, very brief mouthful, but I think it draws the picture of why ground-level policing doesn't function properly. It doesn't help that we fight on the ground. Yes, we should keep people accountable. But if we don't change the national picture or the national narrative, we can't expect things to change for good in the long term on ground level. So what are the chances of us turning around to fight against crime, Ian? Uh, To be very honest, I don't think we're ever going to be one of the safest countries in the world, but I think we can have enclaves of of better and good governance in certain parts in, in terms of specifically criminal justice. I think a federal approach is important. Um, the more we can push for federalism, the better, especially in a Western Cape context. Uh, I think it could open the door for, for opportunities for local, provincial, municipal uh, uh, investigative services uh, and uh, and even forensic services. And I think we need to work hard towards that. Obviously, a lot of people say it will never happen. But if, if that's our approach, then why are we even, even having this discussion? We we have to push hard for things that seem difficult sometimes. So I think there's a chance. I do have hope for parts of the country in the future, but I must be honest, it's not going to be a simple thing to turn around. Um, I think we've got the right people in South Africa, but we need to get the right people into leadership positions. Now, this is where a lot of people say, oh, politicians this and politicians that, but a lot of people aren't also willing to roll up their sleeves and get involved too. So if it's not the political side, then you need to get involved in the civil rights side or, or the or the community structure side and see what you can do on ground level. But you must get involved. And 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 then I think we can build on that enclave model. But Chris, uh, just in short, to, to say in terms of the police management, we have to make sure that we audit the, um, the South African Police Service management in terms of skills, so a skill audit determine who was appointed according to merit or not, and if not, need to be removed. Um, and then, obviously, we need to go through the whole corruption effort, and whether it is in polygraphs or otherwise, we need to find a way to point us in the right direction of how to manage this. And then one very important part is to get out of this mindset of centralizing everything. I'm experiencing it currently in in, in Paul, in the Western Cape, 
where we've got a municipal fire service with fantastic firefighters. And I'm using it as an example because it, it actually symbolizes SAP's perfect, fantastic firefighters, but their leadership is rotten. It's absolutely rotten. It's useless. doesn't function properly. Firefighters are under severe pressure to get the job done, but you've got two or three people with uh, incredibly, or let's say they, they think of their egos as being very important, and we see the community suffering under it. People are losing property. People are even losing their lives because they aren't willing to work with community structures. And if that type of approach doesn't change on a national level either, then SAPs cannot be fixed, in my opinion. It's important that we give communities some kind of a statutory uh, capacity, even if it's as a reservist, but make communities and even corporate South Africa more involved in the getting down and dirty work that we need to do to fix this. But the sugar coating and the, um, the nice talk uh, for photo opportunities doesn't solve the problem. Yeah, in terms of violent crime, in the meantime, what can we do to combat it better without the aid of the South African police force that is failing to protect citizens? So, so to me, it's 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 quite um, it's quite simple. Look, it's a preventative measure, and I guess reactive too. But communities must organise themselves. Whether it is to have community communication structures, whether it is to have reaction groups, both uh, the, you know communication and reaction groups, that's fine. Uh, but patrolling in your community, building in, and I'm going to say it straight, an intelligence structure. I know that the uh, authorities always have a big eye roll. And, um, and and skip a heartbeat when they hear anyone else speaking of intelligence. But having solid information systems or intelligence systems that guide you in the right direction for when to patrol where, what to look out for, and understanding what the powers are that, you know, what you can do as a community member. Now, a, a silly example, uh, I uh, recently got a new firearm and uh, um I laugh because I'm excited about this file and telling people about it. And, and then people say to me, hey, but this is a secret. I said to him, what are you talking about? He says, you're making yourself a target. I said, listen, if someone wanted to target me, it's very easy to find out whether I have a gun or not. So um, my expectation of more South Africans is be outspoken. Tell people I'm part of a community safety structure. Ten of us are going to the shooting range tomorrow and we're getting better training. The ladies in the community are getting anti-rape training to learn what to do in those situations, getting, uh, um, for example, uh, situational awareness training, understanding what to look out for, how to identify potential criminal threats, uh, and so on and so forth. So um, we need to be far more outspoken and actually um, aggressive towards it. I'm not saying uh, causing trouble, but being ready for trouble to come to you. And, and it's a lifestyle change we need to make. And the, and the better we train and prepare ourselves, the, um, the, the smaller the chances of us living in constant stress or fear because you feel prepared, you've, you've changed your mindset, you've changed your approach to a point where you feel that I will be able to maintain or handle myself in a certain way should that uh, uh, incident occur. Indeed. Now, I always come back to this question, and I sincerely hope I do not have to ask it again after the election, but why is the Minister of Police still in his job, despite the pleas, the petitions, the entreaties to the President? Um, I think there are a few reasons. I think he has major influence in KZN, uh, so that's that's one potential uh, 
reason. Um, I think he likely has a lot of uh, information on a lot of bad things that a lot of bad ANC people have badly done over a long time. Um, and uh, and for that reason, it's a comfortable place to keep someone that can fix things for you. Uh, and again, I, I stand to be corrected, but it just simply seems that he's got more power in some cases than the president does. And it, it really does feel like a, um, some kind of a godfather role that is played. I mean, it's it's blatant. Uh, he is blatantly incompetent in, in his job. We can all see it. It's not just me saying so. It's from all the different uh, civil, political, uh, and, and, and private spaces. You hear the same utterances being made. You never, ever hear someone saying, Thele is doing a good job. It's only he himself that speaks of himself in third person when he tells you that they're on the right track. But we never see the results. We haven't seen any improvement since he became minister. In fact, things have just worsened. Um, I think we are reaching for close to 150,000 people being murdered under Taylor's watch. So he uh, um, he's really helped to make South Africa a, a bloodbath, as we said earlier. And I, I, I just cannot see anything improving with Taylor's influence anywhere close. And I think on top of that, I think it's time for him to just simply retire. I think he's way too old uh, for the job now. And it's, I don't say it with disrespect to older people. I simply mean that you need to, I'm not talking about the, the age as a number, but just in terms of behavior, it seems that he's he's far behind. Um, and we need renewed thoughts and a renewed approach. Uh, and we need to get back to the basics to try and fix that. But at the moment, with that type of leader, there's no chance of doing Now, there are people who feel that the African National Congress government cares more about people slain in other countries than it cares about those who are dying in South Africa. Do you think that is a fair assumption? Uh, no, I don't think they care more about people dying in, in Israel or Palestine. I think they are simply using it as a publicity stunt to get some kind of favor before the election. I really don't think they care because they simply don't care about their own people in South Africa. Um, far more people have died here over time than in uh, Ukraine and, and Israel slash Palestine combined. Um, why didn't they go to the international crime court when uh, over half a million people were killed in Syria? Uh, we can go through so many examples. I think it's very rich coming from the ANC when they want to point fingers, but they don't even have the capacity to investigate uh, uh, You know, more than 14% of murders in South Africa. Now, I can just hear critics telling me, how can you say the ANC need to investigate crime? Well, I'm not, but they have appointed political leaders in the South African police service, so indirectly, yes, they have influenced the police to have become a... Uh, 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 how can we say a donkey instead of a horse? Um, I've jokingly said it before, but currently it's it's like trying to win the Durban July with a donkey, and uh, it makes it very very challenging to to move forward. I think the other part um, that we need to consider is the larger international political role um, that they are trying to play. But they've clearly chosen sides, and I think they've they've caused a lot of reputational damage to South Africa. With that, and I, and I must say that as a, as a bit of a disclaimer for myself, I don't understand all the conflict in the Middle East well enough to really say exactly who is always right and who is wrong. Uh, but w what I can say is that there's a, a blatantly unfair approach 
especially from the ANC and their partners, so-called partners, to only criticize a certain side instead of considering uh, the conflict objectively. It really seems as though certain facts, figures, pictures, videos, um, and history is simply ignored just for them to do political point scoring. And uh, that makes it very frustrating. But the point is that in South Africa, probably today, we're going to have between 75 and 84 people murdered, and uh, they will do nothing about it. Yet they have the money, uh, or they manage to get the money from somewhere to go to an international crime court, instead of just starting to fix things for their own people. Thank you. That was Ian Cameron of Action Society, speaking to Biz News about the hundreds of thousands of people who have been murdered in South Africa since the African National Congress came to power in 1994. I'm Christine. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Chris. <laughs>